2: Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you
1: dumbass.
2: What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Monday, February the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show we mourn the end of football until August we'll do that with the top 10 moments of the 2018 season for our Miami Dolphins along with a Super Bowl recap and daydreaming about our beloved Finns in the big game one day when it eventually happens plus developing and teaching are the two core tenets of this new staff which players could see a rebound in form, all of that, and much, much more. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. We are still at a five-star rating with I think 270 reviews on there. So thank you all so much for taking the time to do that. It means a lot to us. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at LockedonFins, and check out lockedondolphins.com. Skylar Trunk had a piece over the weekend. Talking about potential draft pieces, I wrote up a top 10 moments, which we'll get into here, for the 2018 season for the Miami Dolphins. And of course, last but not least, don't forget to check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get right in. That's
0: another Maya.
2: And just a word of the wise real quick, I am recording the first two segments of this podcast before the Super Bowl happens. I just wanted to have a chance to really enjoy the game, if you know what I mean, without being beholden to the entire podcast. So I wrote it up, put it on paper, got it on the microphone, and got the first two segments recorded, or at least I will, as it is about 2 o'clock out here on the West Coast before the game. But pregame every year... I forget just how excruciating the pregame shows are and the number of narratives they conjure up to talk about for endless, endless hours, it seems. And I mean, I get it. When it's the Dolphins, I'll certainly be glued to it all day long. And in the final segment of today's show, I'm going to talk about what it might be like to enjoy the Dolphins in a Super Bowl, But for now, it's on to 2019 very, very quickly for the Miami Dolphins as 2018 comes to a wrap for the Patriots and for Brian Flores as his press conference is scheduled for tomorrow or I guess today when you guys hear this podcast. And there is no official time announcement on that, but I'll be checking that out just as soon as I can as my schedule permits. As always, I'll be tweeting out quotes. I'll have a column recapping all of the key notes from Brian Flores things you should be excited about, things that maybe we can be concerned about. And of course, we'll cover it heavily on tomorrow's podcast. But as for today, you guys know that tanking has been the invoke word for Dolphins fans since, for a while now, since probably the consecutive seasons of losing the final three games and having the season go down in a flame. I assume that's where a lot of the vitriol comes from, as it is frustrating as a fan of this team to see them finish the last two seasons 0-6 in the final three games each. But if you've heard Friday's show, which you should have, if you haven't by now, go back and check it out. You know that I'm not on that train of thought like at all, like on any level of the tank train whatsoever. I don't think tanking, at least in the way I've seen it described, is really an option in the NFL because there are just too many parts involved to execute a tank Outside of players legitimately not playing hard, which also will never happen unless they've given up on a coaching staff or whatever the case may be. But come week one, you want guys to not play hard? Get the fuck out of here. Never going to happen. But the idea of getting high draft picks is how you become a champion. It's just not true. So up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now, you guys can read my story titled, Real Solutions for a Rebuild." Teaching and development. And that goes back to the idea of my original article back when they started putting together this list of potential coaches for the Dolphins and how common or how there was a common theme among all those coaches, and it was their ability to teach players. the same thing is true of Brian Flores and his soon-to-be Dolphins staff, his Patriots heavy staff of assistants in Miami. In Super Bowl 53 on Sunday, yesterday, today, whatever the hell we're calling it, there were 24 players that were undrafted on either active roster. All across the league, there are late-round picks making huge impacts in the NFL, and I realize this isn't breaking any kind of news, but also maybe it kind of is since I see so many folks adamant that the only way things can get better is if they lose all their games in 2019, and that's just not the case. The best way to get to that championship level is to develop a program that maximizes strengths of individuals and has a clear aligned vision for what you ask for those certain position groups and find guys in those position groups that can execute those jobs that you ask for. I'll never forget when Joe Shad had his first appearance on the Locked On Dolphins podcast back in December of 2017, and he talked to some of the offensive linemen about the various offensive line techniques they were taught throughout the year, and how things changed almost on a week-to-week basis, and that's okay when it comes to a game plan standpoint, but the core fundamentals, the core principles of your organization, those ought to be written in stone, and they ought to be very transparent and very clear as to what you're asking, so Within this column that I wrote for LockdownDolphins.com, I looked at six players, but really three guys that aren't all that well thought of across the league or even by Dolphins fans themselves and how they can kind of get back into a respectable performance level or guys that can be serviceable for this team because Miami's not going to rebuild this thing with a first and second round draft pick, their stars, and just become a good team all of a sudden. They have to get the entire floor of the roster up to a certain level that it hasn't been at for a while. And I started with Jesse Davis, the right guard for the Dolphins all 16 games last year. And the reason I start with Jesse Davis is because there are things he does well. You go back to 2017 when Kenyon Drake had that five-game stretch. Jesse Davis was doing plenty of work as far as pulling out to the play side, working in man-up power schemes. He has the ability and the feet and the length to do things that a lot of guys across the league just don't have. And it was evident in some of the videos and some of the clips that I posted up on Twitter. And then you go forward to 2018 and they're asking him to do these things like handle a one-on-one ISO situation against Geno Atkins in pass protection. And he gets smoked. Like, why wouldn't he? Geno Atkins wins those all the time. And there was that same game where they left Sam Young on an island at left tackle after Laramie Tunzel got hurt. And it's, there's just no real plan or real plan to help the backups As far as the coaching was concerned, I assume, I think, I hope that will be different under Brian Flores and company. And the next guy in the video breakdown, there are three videos with about five plays each looking at Jesse Davis, Cordray Tankersley, and Charles Harris. And Cordray Tankersley, the big reason he was kind of the inspiration of this entire project was because the Patriots this year ran man coverage 54% of the time, more than anybody else in the NFL. And in those videos, I showed some looks where Cordray Tankersley back in 2017, when he played 638 snaps, didn't have so much responsibility by way of pattern matching, by way of finding a guy in his zone coverage, by way of having to think so much after the snap. He was just reading, reacting, and making plays. And he did make plays. One of the videos I showed was the interception from Rashad Jones in the Atlanta game that clinched the game. And Tankersley had one assignment to keep outside leverage and funnel the, the receiver back into the help. And he did it, broke on the ball, made a hell of a play, and won the game for his team. You go forward to this year in the video. Again, you'll see it up on LockedOnDolphins.com. He's playing in this tough zone coverage, trying to pattern match a two-man route combination to the boundary, and he's lost, and he looks, he looks lost. It looks terrible. That was a problem in the preseason. It went over into the regular season, and with Charles Harris, another guy that... He was a first-round draft pick, so he's not really the exact same vein as these other two guys. He should be performing at a higher level, but you look at some of the stuff he could do. There was a pass rush against rookie Ryan Ramchek back in week four of 2017 against the Saints over in London, where he does a chop and a dip and gets around the edge and smokes Drew Brees, who gets rid of the football, but it's still a hell of a play from Charles Harris. There's some more videos of him playing in a two-point stance and a kind of on-ball linebacker position, which is what he probably will play in Brian Flores' defense and how he's better at finding the edge setting the edge and working back inside from that alignment opposed to this wide nine where he seemed totally lost didn't know how to set up his pass rush moves and I think a change in defense could be a huge changer for Charles Harris at least we have to hope because you want to get something out of Charles Harris in 2019 And then in the article also, I explore how there could be better situations for Kenyon Drake, Jakeem Grant, and Bobby McCain. McCain obviously playing inside full-time, keep him off the edge. Jakeem Grant getting a bigger workload like he deserved after Albert Wilson went down. And Kenyon Drake being more of a workhorse, a guy that can be involved both in the pass and running game like he wasn't utilized all that much. In 2018, rather. So check that out. I think that's what we're going to get from Brian Flores and company, but I guess we'll find out more today at his press conference. But LockedOnDolphins.com, you guys can check out those videos for more in-depth breakdowns of those players, of those schemes, and what we can project going forward in this new scheme under Brian Flores. All right, guys, football is over. That's it. That's a wrap seven months until the next game. And with that, in the next segment, we're going to relive the 10 best moments of the year for Miami. And we'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins.
1: Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: I put this article up on Twitter the top 10 moments of 2018 for the Miami Dolphins and we all got our laughs talking about how it's amazing there was even 10 moments to look back at but going back over the season and looking at some of the plays and some of the big time moments this season was fun until it wasn't obviously and there were some moments that i remember being just absolutely j- just overjoyed and thrilled with going back to week one and how excited and anticipatory we all were towards that first game after the Jay Cutler debacle in 2017. And that game delivered some big time moments. Obviously, the Oakland game, as I'm sure everyone here knows, will get onto this list as well. So with that, let's go ahead and break out the top 10 moments of the 2018 season for the Miami Dolphins. And we start here first with number 10.
0: Tannehill on second and nine. On the move and throwing deep downfield, it's caught. Leonte Carew for the touchdown. No flags on the field,
2: and that was a 74-yard touchdown to Leonte Carew to tie the game up in Indianapolis. And that was coming off the bye week and getting Ryan Tannehill back for the first game, which. The ball was a floater because his shoulder was just not right at that time. But what a big game-changing play at the time that was. I remember watching this game with my brother, and we both got out of our chairs saying, holy crap, where's this offense been? Where's Le'onte Carew been? Makes a huge play, 74 yards for a touchdown, and really changes that game, at least at the time, as the Dolphins built up a 10-point lead later in the game and would go on to blow it. But if they had found a way to win that game, I think that season in general, in total, would have been far different as a whole. So number 10, Leontay Carew's 74-yard touchdown against the Colts in Indianapolis. Your 10th best moment of the year for the Miami Dolphins in 2018. Let's move on to number 9. It's the back. That was the week 13 game against the Buffalo Bills with about eight and a half minutes to go down by three points down around the end zone. Dolphins had a second and 12 from the 14 yard line. Tannehill took on pressure and fired into a crowded area, but Kenny Stills goes up and brings it down and gives the Dolphins a 21-17 lead in a game that they had to have to keep the season alive. And what a perfectly thrown ball and what a catch by Kenny Stills to keep the season alive at that point. So number nine on the season, the Dolphins against the Bills at home week 13, Ryan Tannehill to Kenny Stills for the game-winning touchdown. And that brings us forward now to number eight as a rookie gets on the list.
1: Nineteen interceptions on the season. They could use one now. But they don't have Xavier Howard, who has seven of them.
0: Oh, intercepted.
1: Picked up by Fitzpatrick. Now a race, and Fitzpatrick will win it for the
0: touchdown. A big six. Fitzpatrick stepping in for Xavier Howard
2: and that was rookie Minka Fitzpatrick Dolphins first round draft pick on the pick six on a screen route we saw Minka blow up screens all year long none better than this one at the Minnesota Vikings it was seven and a half minutes to go in the second quarter Dolphins trailed by 21 and this sparked what looked like a comeback in this game at the time and of course he and Andre Branch and I believe that was Cornell Armstrong went down there to the end zone and did the skull chant and the best part about it was Jerome Baker saying, like, what are you guys doing? That's We're down by 14 still, and he walks off. I blame Andre Branch for that, the ultimate distraction guy that we've seen time and time again in Miami, but that's neither here nor there. Minka Fitzpatrick's 51-yard interception return for a touchdown checks in at number eight on the year for 2018. And that play by Fitzpatrick was the only one that came in a loss. Let's get back to the winning ways here with play number seven.
0: The snap. The kick for the win. It's good.
2: Dolphins win it in overtime. As time expires in overtime, Jason Sanders, the rookie field goal kicker who missed two kicks all year long, hits the game-winning field goal 31-28. Dolphins beat the Bears, get back to uh, four-and-two rather, and the season looks promising at that point as they played five full quarters against a far superior playoff team, Chicago Bears, and beat those Bears with that game-winning kick. This game had so many moments that could have been put in there, and we probably will hear from this game later on. But Jason Sanders' game-winning kick over the Bears, play number seven in 2018. Let's go ahead and move forward to play number six. Kenny still 74 yards from Ryan Tannehill on opening day. And that really was the big, big difference in the game. As with 10 minutes to go in the game, the Dolphins took a 14-point lead on that opening day that took about seven hours to get finished, and I remember losing my mind after that play because obviously the deep ball issues, Tannehill coming back, having a good game in week one, that was a fun one. The Titans would go on to return the ensuing kickoff back for a touchdown, but Ryan Tannehill to Kenny Stills, 74 yards, that is play number six on the year for 2018. And with that, we move into the top five on the top ten plays for the Dolphins in 2018 with Xavier Howard.
0: Got to get the snap in a hurry, and he does. Carr, under pressure, throwing to the end zone. Did they pick it off? That's Xavier Howard, and he did.
2: It was 21-17 to with three minutes to play in the game. Oakland had two timeouts. Miami had three. We know how that game was going. The Raiders were about to punch it in to take the lead, and then it was going to be up to Tannehill and the offense to come back and be a bad 0-2 Raiders team. But Cameron Wake with the pressure and Xavier Howard with the phenomenal play in the corner of the end zone to basically flood Martavis Bryant out of the field altogether and then make the play, get the feet down. Xavier Howard's all-pro season started on that day. As he would wind up with seven interceptions on the season, despite not playing the final four games, a huge year for Xavier Howard, checking in with the fifth biggest play of the season in 2018. And now we move on to number four.
0: Down in nine, Band snap again.
2: Jerome Baker jumping out into the flat and robbing that route underneath and making the big play. It was six to three at the time with 11 minutes to play in the fourth quarter. A just brutal, brutal game that set NFL offenses back about 14 decades. And Jerome Baker comes up with a big play and that would provide the difference in the game in the win for the Dolphins in a game they had to have. And now we move forward back to a game we've already talked about with play number three on the season coming from a big time playmaker.
0: Here's 1st and 10, Osweiler, throws complete, that's
1: Albert Wilson, Albert Wilson's loose again, Albert Wilson down the
0: sideline, Albert Wilson has scored again, what a game here it was 43
2: yards and then 75 yards for Albert Wilson making the game-changing plays for the Dolphins on that day against the Bears. They couldn't tackle him. They couldn't get him to the ground. And watching him make these plays, I for, you forget how great he was because of how long ago it seems like. But keep an eye out up on LockedOnDolphins.com in the near future. Your boy's going to do an Albert Wilson study because this guy is already one of my favorite players on the Dolphins. So I'll look forward to bringing that to you guys. But before we do that, let's go ahead and look at play number two on the season in
0: 2018. Before the two-minute warning. This is Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson on his way. They're not going to catch him. Touchdown, Miami. Right
2: at the two-minute warning, Albert Wilson takes it Seventy. four yards to pay dirt to put the game away against the Oakland Raiders we were 3-0 and we were flying we were heading into the Patriots building for a huge huge game against them and of course we all know how that went but this moment the high five Jakeem Grant Albert Wilson on the jet motion little tap pass to Wilson he does the rest and scores a big big touchdown for the Dolphins for play number two on the year and I'm sure play number one is going to be a surprise to nobody
0: seven seconds left
1: Tannehill will throw it, and this will end it after the shovel, or will it?
0: Miami running around, circling. Oh, look out! Krakowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! A oh, whole Canyon Drake, A miracle!
2: I mean, goosebumps, every single time I hear that, goosebumps. When he, right here, this part. Drake. Oh, Kenyan Drake! that part gets me every single time and I want to talk about what that feeling feels like as a Dolphins fan and how I think it could project into what a Super Bowl would feel like for the Dolphins and we'll do that next here on the other side of the podcast I'm going to go watch the game I'll be back in about four hours with you guys on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked Fins
0: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: 13-3, minimal action, and a sixth championship ring for Tom Brady. I just finished watching the Super Bowl and Adam Sandler says it best in The Wedding Singer. I'm tired of this movie. Somebody kill me, please. I just can't wait for this rain to finally be over and for our lifelong misery it seems to be over. But also in watching that Super Bowl, you kind of get the feeling of... Because you watch Brian Flores for the second consecutive game, shut out one of the top two scoring offenses in the NFL for an entire half and just put the clamps on that Rams offense with a smothering pressure package and tight press coverage in the secondary with multiple packages, multiple games up front, just the entire structure of the game plan worked out for the Patriots and it looked fantastic even though Jared Goff played a pretty awful game as did the Patriots offense for the most part and credit the Rams defense for that but Brian Flores and you might give the credit to Bill Belichick and rightfully so he is the ultimate dictator of that franchise and the one that sets everything in motion but Brian Flores is calling the plays and so there's no doubting that what he did or his input on that game had a major impact on it. And the biggest encouraging thing that I see really is the fact that you're going to see something different in Miami. And I keep talking about that. It's just going to be different than we've seen the last two years with Matt Burke and making all those same mistakes over and over and over again. I believe in, I trust that Brian Flores will at least be able to, recognize some of those issues and try to iron them out and then also you just put the pieces on this defense into those particular roles and you kind of have to like what you have as a whole this was kind of the game plan or the takeaway note that I had from that game for the Patriots defense they ran so many different front packages whether it was a 2-3 a 2-4 a 3-3 three, three, different line and linebacker combinations there the amoeba defense with guys standing around looking for gaps to take on gaps to show pressure in and then gaps to peel out of and jump to other gaps All All that disguise makes a fifth rusher sometimes necessary. And sometimes all that fifth rusher does is back out and causes a bunch of confusion in the protection call for the quarterback. Their rush targets are are more about showing gap integrity than they are trying to win their matchup one-on-one or win their matchup in general to get home to the quarterback. It's all about finding a spot to rush to and pushing upfield in that direction, whether you're twisting, whether you're stunting, or straight-up blitzing or rushing. And that was so well executed in this game. They push the pocket backwards. They flood the play-side zone with different bodies and secondary members. And then they press the boundary and disrupt the timing on everything in the passing game. The boundary is going to have two guys, a running back, and a tight end most of the time (laughs) Thank you. the <laughs> cat Obviously, there are variables that get mixed in there. And then the field sides where you see three receiver sets or two tight ends, or two receivers rather, and one tight end. And that's where you flood the coverage. And then you work the backside, the boundary side, with a press corner like Xavier Howard. And watching what Stephon Gilmore did in this game with the interception that really ultimately sealed the game, but just his one-on-one coverage and being in hit pockets all night long, you have to think Brian Flores looks at that guy and says, wow, I've got a perfect opportunity to turn my defense into the same defense As far as that player goes, we are good to go there. I would never consider trading him unless, like I've said millions of times, it's to go up and get a Kyler Murray or the quarterback that you, whoever it is, you love. I think Rashad Jones has an excellent piece in this defense, a role in this defense, I should say, playing up around the line of scrimmage. I think you can say the same for guys like Vincent Taylor and Devon Godshaw. Jerome Baker could play some of that Kyle Van Noy role. Rayquad McMillan probably gets a crack at the Dante Hightower role first because, frankly, I don't know if there's a guy you can go out and get to play that role. One of the guys I do like for that role that I've liked in this draft for some time now is Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida. That could be someone you look to insert in that role if you don't go quarterback. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how this defense develops under Brian Flores. And one last note from that game and on the defense. The more prominent fixture in this defense, as you guys heard me talk in that first part of this segment, about the limited numbers in the fronts in these different packages, well, the one thing that is constant in that idea is the fact that the back end is loaded with players. So I would not underrate the possibility of a very or a defensive back taken very high in this draft. Rather, whether it's the first round, second round, I think they would love someone like a Rocky Sin out of Temple, maybe a safety like Nasir Adderley on the back end. I wouldn't say first round pick for that, but that's what Kevin Dern former co-host of the Finalysis podcast, tells me he thinks that someone like a center field safety could be a great fit in this defense and something they have to add, and I tend to agree with him on that, as the Patriots often ran three safety packages with Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, and Deron Harmon on that back end. So there's going to be some new bodies, some new ideas in this defense, but the philosophical change is going to be paramount, and that's what I'm looking forward to most. As far as Brady getting his sixth ring, whatever, I mean, it sucks. I wanted the Rams to pull it off at the end, but it's the same old story, and so I guess I'm used to it. I'm kind of numb and desensitized to it. So the Patriots 13, Rams 3, they win the game. And just real quick, thinking about how that game would feel if it was the Dolphins, and maybe not just that style game or stylistically that game, but just thinking about the Dolphins being in position to win a game of that magnitude because frankly, it's been so long since they've won a game that was even a fraction of the size of that game in terms of overall impact on the league and the history of the league I think back to the Miami Miracle and how I felt all week long, just seeing the highlights, seeing people talk about it, seeing the clip of the play on Twitter over and over and over again, and how it just kind of gave you that warm feeling that was just it made you feel good and proud to be a Dolphins fan, and I keep pointing back to that and saying that must be how it feels, except for six months long, to win a Super Bowl and be the team in the headline for that long. So one day, maybe it happens, who knows, but another season is in the books in the NFL. I had a hell of a time covering it for you guys from the Miami Dolphins perspective. We're going to be with you guys all off-season long talking about free agents. We'll be the first and best film study you'll see on all the new incoming free agents on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as on the podcast here, the first on the scene with draft coverage player profiles all that fun stuff and how they fit into this new team last year we were the first on the scene to break the Dolphins full 16 game 2018 schedule before anybody else had it on the market up on Twitter we were the first to have that so we look forward to an exciting off season. after all this is the time of year the Dolphins fans relish in this is our main season given the fact that our regular seasons never quite go the way that we want them to Coming up this week on the website or within the next couple of weeks will be an in-depth offensive and defense review on what we can expect from Brian Flores, from Chad O'Shea coming over from the New England Patriots. I have solicited the help of Kevin Dern, the former co-host of the Finalysis podcast and former defensive coordinator of Welcome to Perfectville. Shout out to Sam and Chris on that one. Kevin will have an in-depth look of what he expects to see from this defense moving forward. And hopefully I'll get him on the podcast. I haven't asked him yet, but Kevin, if you're listening to this, this is your invite. I will certainly text you after I get off the podcast here and see if you want to do it. And we'll have the Brian Flores presser covered in its entirety tomorrow on the podcast as well and officially get this new era of Miami Dolphins football started, and with that, that is going to be my time on the podcast here, and we're going to go ahead and welcome in Brian Flores, the only way Miami can real quick, and if you're listening to this podcast on your smart speaker, you know by now you can play your podcast by saying play Locked On Dolphins podcast to your smart speaker. Be sure to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL, Follow the show at Lockdown Fins Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Welcome to Miami, Brian. Flores.
1: All ages and races, real sweet faces, every different nation, Spanish, Haitian, Indian, Jamaican, black, white, Cuban, and Asian. I only came for two days to play but every time I come I always wind up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in. Miami, the
0: city, the geeks, the roof. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.